Shalom Aleichem, welcome back to 30 Letters in 30 Days. Tonight is letter number 15. That means we are halfway through. And uh, there's a lot of feedback that I would like to share, as well as some interesting updates about women's groups all over the world that are meeting to discuss these classes. But I'm going to hold off on that because tonight's letter is a very long letter. Uh, as you've probably noticed, the lengths of these letters can vary quite a bit. So tonight's a quite a long letter. Tomorrow night is on the short side, so uh, tomorrow night, with Hashem's help, I would like to make some announcements and uh, answer some questions. We've been getting questions at 30letters30days.com and take care of some other business. But tonight... Uh, if it's all right with everyone, and I'm sure it is, I'm going to jump straight into tonight's letter without any further delay. <clears throat> okay. Baruch Hashem, Yud Ches Tevis Tovshin Tesvav, Brooklyn, Baruch HaVashalom. This is the 18th day of the Hebrew month of Tevis, the year 5715. That's 1954, probably 55 already at that point. This is in the middle of the winter. Bracha uh, v'shalom is how the Rebbe addresses a woman. This is a letter to a woman. Now, you don't know who this person... Well, maybe you do. I shouldn't assume that. <laughs> maybe you are the person that this letter was written to. Maybe someone out there is. Um, but when I say you, meaning collectively, this worldwide, global, virtual classroom that's been studying these letters together. Uh, we don't know who this woman is, by name at least, but we kind of know her because do you remember a few nights ago the letter to the group of girls, the Kvotsus Nairois? And remember they, they used a, a, a self-deprecating expression. They, they said, we're so uh, cold to spirituality. We have a sea of coldness within us. And the Rebbe didn't like that. And he told them that they have within them that power of their, of their great and courageous parents. So if you remember that letter, and if not, you can just check a few classes earlier. It was uh, the first letter that we did on Matzah Shabbos, I believe, if I'm correct. I think, think letter 12. Um, so tonight's letter, 15, is to the teacher of that same group of girls. And it's interesting to see the same situation, but from a different angle. And here's where you can kind of see how two parties who are dealing with the exact same situation may get different guidance from the Rebbe, which shouldn't be surprising at all because... As we know, <laughs> you don't answer the question, you answer the questioner. So it always depends. Who are you speaking to? And then everything follows from there. In answer to your letter from the 26th day of Kislev, that would be the second day of Hanukkah. Um, it's interesting here, this is a relatively long response time because uh, this is like over three weeks later. We're used to seeing letters where the Rebbe is writing back very, very quickly. This is three weeks. Remember, the letter's coming from Eretz Yisrael, so coming all the way over from uh, halfway across the world. And uh, 
this is this is the 1950s, but at least according to what we've been getting used to, yeah, three week uh, response time is on the long side. I guess we're spoiled. Okay, la after a prolonged or a very prolonged silence. So the Rebbe says, I got your letter after a long time of not hearing from you. Now we know the Rebbe asks people all the time, write more, <laughs> write more often, like we say in Chicago, vote early, vote often, right? The Rebbe is always telling people, I want more mail from you. I want to hear more details from you. So the Rebbe here says, I didn't hear from you for a long time. Even taking into account the excuses that you give, why it's been a while since you've written a dying enemis cabellus, it's not really acceptable. We've had that before also, the Rebbe is saying. But alas, there's no point bemoaning what's already in the past. Yisakain, Mikan, Ulahaba, but surely this will be fixed, or Yisukan maybe, Mikan, Ulahaba, this will be fixed from now on in the future. So I'm not bemoaning the past, but from now on, please, let's hear from you more often. Okay. Umasha Kesevis Shitzarech Lizar Ba'ifanaksiva Chulavachulu. Regarding what you write, that you're trying to be really careful about how you write. As you're going to see, the Rebbe is talking about her, um, I guess, her desire to use euphemism, not to say anything harsh. Um, and it's very interesting because if you remember, the letter to this woman's students began with the Rebbe taking exception to their use of harsh language about themselves. The Rebbe was saying, don't speak that way, even for poetic effect, if you remember. Here, the Rebbe says almost the opposite to the teacher. Okay, let, let's see here. So you're telling me you're being very careful about your wording, like you're trying to be very uh, delicate in your, in your phrasing. When is that applicable? When is it applicable that you should be really careful not to say anything harsh? She when you're writing diplomatic stuff that anyways doesn't really matter, it doesn't really mean what it's supposed to mean. And then when you're writing diplomatic stuff, so the whole point is to write it pretty and to give people the honor that, uh, you know, the pretend honor that the... the you're supposed to go through the motions of, you know, playing along this whole uh, diplomacy. The whole thing is, is is a bluff, right? So when we're diplomats and we're just talking diplomacy, so the whole thing is just blowing hot air, and that's yeah, that's the style. Mashain Cain, however, in contrast, bidvarim hakshudim im hergesh haleiv. If you're talking about real emotions, ubefrat binyanim hashayochim legeru nafshes hanoyar. Especially, you're speaking about the spiritual destiny of the youth. The Rebbe is about to say, then we don't sugarcoat it. If you're speaking. Things of the heart, okay, you're, you're, you're trying to explain your emotions. I think this is very important. 
you know, I, I know a guy once who told me, <clears throat> um, I went to therapy for years and it didn't help, but it's probably because therapy is not effective if you lie to your therapist. So I said, why did you lie to your therapist? And the guy said, well, I was paying him way too much money to be able to afford him having a negative impression of me. <laughs> so if, if, if you try to sugarcoat things, you're not going to make any progress. That I was saying here, you're trying to be polite, and I appreciate that, but this, that's not, this is not the place for being polite. And this is very interesting because to the, the students that Ebba was saying, almost the opposite thing of like, wow, that, your language is really, really harsh. Come on, cut it out. Here that Ebba is saying, I need you to stop sugarcoating. You're going to have to say it as it is because when you're speaking about your emotions, when you're speaking about your feelings, you got to say your feelings as they are. And also, there's two things here that Ebba is saying. You have to say your feelings the way they are. And especially... Uh, when you're talking about, and she's a teacher of young women, so her feelings here are connected with her feelings about teaching the youth. And also, it seems, her description of the spiritual status of these youth that she's working with. So the Rebbe is saying, tell it as it is. Tell me what's going on with these, with these girls. They're just starting off in their lifetimes. Every little detail that's going on now is going to have ramifications for decades. So you got to really, you can't mince words with me. You got to tell me how it is with these girls. If you're going to use cosmetics, the Rebbe says, you're going to cover up the true situation. That causes damage, not rectification. So that's the first interesting thing, I think, from this letter, is that Rebbe is telling this educator, please, I understand there's something called Lushendikia, called euphemism. And by the way, that Eben more than anyone was into don't say a negative word when you can avoid it, even if you have to take a roundabout way. You know, this is the famous Maim uh, Chazal based on in Parshas Noyach, right? The story of Noyach bringing the animals aboard the Teva on the Ark. So why does it say, why doesn't it just say the animals that are Taher and the animals that are tome. There's a word for it. It's called tome. Instead, it says the ones who are not taher, who are not ritually pure, right? So uh, the point is because if you can avoid saying a negative word, then you avoid it, even if it causes you to to, to use extra words, which the Torah in general is very sparing not to use extra words, right? There's a sikh about this actually in Chelik Yod of Lukutei Sikh, is the second sikh of Noyach, but it's interesting. Over there, in that sicha, it says, uh, it's interesting with the story of Noyach, it avoids using the word Tame. But like, let's say, in the whole Sefer Vayikra, when it's teaching us, well, we just had it last week, Parsha Shmini, right? We're learning about the kashrus of animals. So there, it uses the word Tame all the time. So which one is it? Are we avoiding the word or we're not avoiding the word? So in that sicha, the Rebbe says, look, with Noyach, it's telling a story. It's just telling a story. So if it's telling a story, it's not really negea. It's not pertinent to anybody's behaviors. Let's avoid using the negative word. But in Sefer Vayikra, when it's telling us halachas that we need to follow, so then you have to say it as it is. And if you have to say a harsh word like Tomit, you say the word in order to, that a person should know what to do and what not to do. So I think it's a similar thing as that sicha. 
here the Rebbe is saying, look, there are, there are cases where we avoid using negative language because there's no point to it. But here, I have to know what's really going on because this is negea, this is pertinent to these girls' futures, and every little detail now is going to have this ripple effect. So you got to just, you got to say it as it is. Okay. Now, here's the next little bit of the letter. A very interesting idea as well regarding the concept in Torah, and especially in Chassidus, of Kabbalah's oil. Kabbalah's oil literally means acceptance of the yoke, or the full expression is Kabbalah's oil, Malchus Shemaim, acceptance of the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. And it means submission to authority, to godly authority. Okay. That's a difficult concept. And it's a concept I think a lot of people struggle with today. You know, how much of education has to be about teaching the students discipline and how much of it is about convincing them and encouraging them and getting them to want something on their own. <clears throat> now, as you've learned, <laughs> everything in Toyota is a paradox. So is it about discipline or is it about convincing somebody that something's good for them? Yes. <laughs> which no no, which one is it? Is it self is it self-discipline or is it convincing them that something's good for them? Yes, I told you. Yes, it's both. How can it be both? You're about to see how it's both. Okay. Nanesi. Okay. The Rebbe says, I enjoyed. You said that the situation has improved in many ways. Specifically about the participation of the girls group. This is the same girls group from the previous letter. Um, and they're uh, conducting themselves in a, in a Hasidic way. It is superfluous, I'm sure, to reiterate, to mention again. That it is mentioned in the books of Chassidus, as well as, and this is very interesting that Rebbe says this, in non-Jewish works, about the necessity of Kabbalah's oil, of accepting the yoke of heavenly authority. It's very interesting. The Rebbe is saying this is a concept in Chassidus and also Lahavdil. The Rebbe doesn't even say Lahavdil here, but even in non-Jewish wisdom, meaning to say this is not something, <laughs> if I can insert my own commentary, the value of Kabbalah's oil need not be taken on Kabbalah's oil. <laughs> in other words, you don't have to accept it from an argument of authority that says so in Torah, so therefore you have to believe it. If you want something that can appeal even to the intellect of your animal soul, even the non-Jewish books say that it's good for you to have some modicum of self-discipline <clears throat> and, and submission to authority. So it's interesting. Even Kabbalah's oil, you don't have to take on Kabbalah's oil because, I mean, this is the paradox I was uh, referring to earlier and that I was going to speak about it at length. Even Kabbalah's oil, even submis submission is something that can be explained as beneficial to you. Okay, let, let, let's continue here. 
Or like our Rebbes say, what does it mean to submit to authority? It means in the classic uh, case of the Jewish people before they accepted the Torah, when Moshe Rabbeinu prepared them at Sinai for accepting the Torah, the Jewish people's response collectively was Nase Venishma. We will do and then we will understand. So they put first the commitment to do before hearing and understanding what it is that they're doing and why. Pshita she'ena kavona bezeh l'sigufim u'shviras hanefesh v'haguf betemidius. Now, let me explain something. It's obvious. The Rebbe says it's obvious. Now, I've said this before. Sometimes the Rebbe says things are obvious and they weren't obvious to me at least. But if the Rebbe says it's obvious, that's a cue to me to sit down and to think it over once, twice, three times until it becomes pshita, until it becomes obvious. Okay? So the Rebbe says here it is obvious that when we talk about the necessity of Kabbalah's oil, this does not mean sigufim. Sigufim is mortification, like self-punishment. And it doesn't mean shviras hanefesh v'haguf betimidius. It doesn't mean constantly breaking down your body and soul. It's very important to understand this. We're not talking about an oppressive yoke, and surely not something that's abusive, God forbid. God forbid. And I think that needs to be clarified, because if someone had a negative experience where there was religious abuse being uh, whitewashed with the name, with the with the with the rubric of this is Kabbalah's oil. You have to understand that is not Kabbalah's oil. The Rebbe says Kabbalah's oil is good for you. Even non-Jewish wisdom agrees that it's good for you. And the Rebbe is going to elaborate, uh, continue to elaborate on this on this point that it's good for you. And it's certainly not something that's going to cause you pain, and it's not going to break you. We're not talking about shattered self-esteem, God forbid. That's not Kabbalah soil. We're not talking about a big person bullying a little person to get them to comply. That's not Kabbalah soil. The way that Ebbets ex explains Kabbalah soil here is it is actually a logical imperative, and I think that's why the Rebbe references that you can, you can even find it in the non-Jewish books, that you don't have to take this on faith. This is something that human wisdom Human wisdom, not godly wisdom, human wisdom can agree to that your life will be better and you will be happier if you can muster some modicum of self-discipline at the beginning of your spiritual path. Let, let, let's continue here. Ela ach verak the role, the purpose, the function of Kabbalah's oil is only to prepare the way to prime the situation, so to speak, so that there can be a predominance of the tzura over the chaymer. That means, very loosely translated, spirituality over materiality. We're not breaking anyone. We're not hurting anyone. God forbid. What we're doing is we're using Kabbalah's oil as a first step, as a foundation to put you on a path where ultimately you will be able to put your spirituality before your, before your materiality. 
in very simple terms, what are we talking about? We're talking about just the idea of being able to delay gratification, being able to be humble and not get your way, being able to recognize that sometimes it's better to stick to, not sometimes, but <laughs> that it's better to stick to your principles than to get what you wanted. These are all ideas of Hagbaras Hatsura Alachaymer, where you are able to think in terms of abstraction and, and values and principles and put that first instead of materiality, which means bodily comfort and, uh, and uh, animalistic drives. So in order to get somebody on that path, at the beginning at least, it does require Kabbalah's oil. But it's not to hurt the person, God forbid, it's to get them started on the path. Oh, the Rebbe continues, what is, what is this path? Okay, to lift up the tzura ala the spirituality over the materiality, the truth over the falsehood, the true good, which is ultimately not just the spiritual good, but it's also ultimately it proves to be good for you in this world, over the bad. So much here to unpack. Kabbalah's oil is to start you on the path so that ultimately you're able to make good choices, where you can choose the spiritual over the material, the true over the false, and the good over the bad. And the Rebbe says parenthetically, when we say good, we don't just mean good in the spiritual sense, but ultimately the good that is good in the spiritual sense is also good for you, even in the most practical physical sense. So again, the idea is, even though you're starting with submission, ultimately, what are you submitting to? Not something that's there to negate your, uh, your happiness, but ultimately something that's to promote your happiness and your fulfillment and, and your, your satisfaction. And that this is the best way of life, even from a practical perspective. And that's what Kabbalah soil really is. Okay, so if it's so good, why don't you just convince me? Why don't you just tell me that it's so good for me? Why do you have to bring in Kabbalah's oil? Okay, so we explain. Since a person is born like a, like a wild donkey, a child is, is animalistic. You know, a, a, a three-year-old will tantrum and fall on the floor and not allow anybody to, to, to get on with life until, uh, until he gets what he wants. And uh, that, that's, he has no compunction. He has no shame. That's, that's, what a, that's what a child is, right? So when you're, I know we all say, oh, children are so pure. They're so innocent. They're so sweet. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But um, the animalistic drive in a child, if, for, for God-given reasons, by the way, because if, if a baby and a toddler didn't have this crazy survival drive, then they wouldn't make it through infancy and childhood. So it's very important that a baby will wake up the whole house in the middle of the night in order to nurse. Because, you know, if, if a baby's going to be polite, it's not too good for, for uh, their survival. But ultimately, you have to grow out of that. Okay, so since a person is born with this really strong survival drive, and 
using the words of King Solomon, Venefis Titoifna Sfas or Sifse Zara, Verak Achrisa Marekalaina. It says that the, the the lips of the foreign woman are dripping with sweetness, but her the end of getting involved with her is bitter like wormwood. In other words, King Solomon is using that as a is using the temptation of of harlotry as a as a byword for all temptation. That it's 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 geschmack in the beginning, but it's really painful in the end. And you know that's one of the things that mature people learn that some things are fun when they start, but they end up really miserable at the end. Like any indulgence, it feels good in the beginning, but it's just a natural thing that in the end, it comes back to bite you. Well, here's the thing, in the end, (laughs) especially when you're young and experienced and you haven't had a lot of consequences yet, you haven't had enough life experience to have enough time to have experienced the consequences yet. So it's very hard to explain to people you know, if you don't take care of this when you're young, it's going to come back to bite you when you're old. Okay, so that's sort of the, the paradox here of why Kabbalah's oil is, is necessitated here because on one hand, Kabbalah's oil is good for you in the end. And in the end, you're going to see that it was for your benefit. It wasn't to hurt you, it was only to help you. Okay, fine, if it's only to help me, then just tell me that. Don't force me. You don't have to force me. If it's good for me, you should be able to explain it to me. Yeah, but the problem is, first of all, person is born with this wild nature, okay? That's the nature of youth. Second of all, the negative consequences of not submitting to divine authority, that's not always readily apparent. So in the beginning of your service of Hashem, you are going to need to take certain things on faith and just accept it and say, you know what, I'm submitting to people who know better than me. I'm submitting to the wisdom of the Torah, which is categorically beyond my, my ability to fathom. Okay, I'm just Kabbalah soil. I accept the yoke. So in the end, you'll see that it is good for you. And even non-Jewish books say that it's good for you. But you don't necessarily see it completely uh, clearly in the beginning, and that's why you need to have Kabbalah soil in the beginning. Okay. Um, so therefore, Tzrich Eliyeh haschalosa basia vafilo bederech Kabbalah oil. That's why when you start off, it has to be done with Kabbalah soil. Kachol shetia haschala zu amuka yeser tuk de ma'avona shezewa derech lahatoiva emes. And that uh, being that this is the 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 the, the, the deeper, I guess. Um, yeah, let me just back up here. Kachol shetia haschala zua muka yeser took the ma'avonish zewa derech lahatayva emes. Yeah. So the deeper this Kabbalah's oil is, yeah, the deeper ingrained, this is another paradox, the deeper ingrained the Kabbalah's oil is, the sooner you'll actually get to see why it's not just Kabbalah's oil, it's also good for you. masmeris kama zman 
Tairich and Hoga Bederich Kabbalas Elbe Yomim Veshois. Now, it's also understood that I can't give you a timeline how long a child needs to have Kabbalah's oil for. You can't say to me, well, how long is it going to take before I realize that this is really good for me and that I don't have to do it just as submission? I can't give you a timeline how many days or hours it's going to be. It depends on the person, on their characteristics, it depends on the conditions of the place and on the time. So there's no hard and fast rule for how long that developmental phase is going to take. It takes as long as it takes. Okay. Um, now there's another concept. I know we're only halfway through this letter. It, it is what it is. I apologize for the length of it, but uh, it's on the long side. Okay. Now the letter takes a personal turn. Till now it was talking about education and about how to deal with the youth and the need for Kabbalah's oil. Here that I was addressing this young woman, I don't know, actually she's young, but uh, this woman's um, self-doubt about the work she's doing with these girls. I guess she was saying that it's difficult, she's not sure she's getting through to them, the typical stuff that any educator grapples with. That's what it seems here. Okay. It's already been explained in similar in contexts that are similar to your situation. We're lucky. We have a fortunate uh, a fortunate lot. that we were born in the generation before Mashiach's coming. You know, normally that's not considered such a great thing. It's a time of turmoil and confusion to be born right before Mashiach's coming, right? But here the Rebbe says, it's actually it's a wonderful thing. We're very lucky to have been born at this time, at the end of the Gullus. Why? Because we live in an age where so much Torah was revealed, especially the teachings of Chassidus. Think, if you would have been born 200 years ago, these secrets that you are privy to, you wouldn't be able to know. You wouldn't be able to find out. Maybe if you be a Lamed Vavnik, one of the Tzaddikim Nistarim, you go meet with their private meetings in the forest, maybe you'd hear some of this stuff. But regular people, to know the stuff that we know because of the way that Chassidus was revealed, we're so lucky that we live in such a day and age. The information age, so to speak. Information age in a in a holy context. Ube prati pratius, betaras chassidus chabad, and especially we're lucky that there's so much chabad Hasidic teachings available to us. 
that what what's so special about Chabad Hasidic teachings? Shall bishohan yonim amukim beyeser afilu mesedes atera beesias abidiburim humuvanim lechol echad veechad imrak yeshlei haratzin lezeh. Chabad Hasidus takes the deepest secrets of the Torah, very abstract, abstruse, esoteric ideas, and puts it in language that is accessible and understandable to anyone who has the will to do so. Obviously, if you have no will to do so, you know, it's not going to work. But if you have a will to do so, yeah, Chabad Chassidus, the whole point of Chabad, Chochmah Bin Adas, is that it takes the, that which is normally so uh, lofty that it has to just be accepted on faith, and it brings it into intellectual discourse where you can speak about it intelligently. So aren't we so lucky that we live in a day and age where these tools are available to us? If we lived in a previous generation or century, we, we wouldn't have access to this information. Okay, now, that's very nice. What does this have to do with her self-doubt about being an educator? So let's continue. So now let's connect this to your situation. It is known the saying of my father-in-law, the Rebbe, which he said in the name of his father, the Rebbe Rashab, Asher. Now tell me if you recognize this saying. Sometimes the Yitzhahara dresses up in a silk garment, you know, to look very from. To trick the person. Remember this? We had this uh, in one of our earlier letters. I think it was letter number six that we learned on Purim. The letter about Zahir Tvei about finding your special mitzvah. So over there, it mentioned this, and it mentioned that it's the Hayyim Yayim of who remembers. Because <laughs> it was a date that was connected to Purim, and we learned that letter on Purim. Chav Gimel Sivan, that's correct, yes. So, uh, that, yeah, that's the Hayyim Yayim of Chav Gimel Sivan. That sometimes the Yitzhahara, the Nefshbamis, can come to a person, and instead of telling him to sin, which the person will just reject, he comes to him, and he tries to get him to do good things but good things that are a distraction from his real purpose. So that's what it means. The Yitzhahara dressed up in a, in a silk robe trying to look very holy. Really, what is he doing? He's, he's playing a bait and switch. He's trying to uh, divert you from your, from your real purpose. Okay, so here the Rebbe invokes that. Vabechina um, how do you figure this out? Like, how do you? What's the what's the test? The lit, the litmus test to figure out that this is what's happening? Who should call Anything that holds you back from getting stuff done, It's coming from the other side, meaning sitra achra negativity. and that is exactly so in your case. So something that sounds like a holy argument. But its end result, its net result, is that it holds you back from getting your job done. It holds you back from doing stuff, being active. Then you know that that's the Chassidah just trying to mess with you. Okay. Yeah. Hasfekes v'atainis shemenim legamri al koponim 
machlishim avedosa bapoil. These doubts you're having, even though they're holy doubts, I mean, the Rebbe doesn't say that explicitly, but it's clear in this context, she must have phrased her doubts in some type of righteous way. Like, she must have made it sound like it was coming from a, from a religious place. And, uh, you know, just parenthetically, uh, it reminds me of a story. Uh, Chosid once was in Yechidus with the, with the Tzemach Tzedek, and the Tzemach Tzedek told him to become a Malamed, to become a school teacher. And he said, I'm afraid to become a... Because in Shulchan Aruch, it talks about the, in the, the laws of, of uh, Talmud Torah and about uh, a Malamed who's misrashal, who's, who's lax, who's lazy with his students. It says very harsh things about that. So he says, I'm, I'm afraid to become a Malamed because it's like... Too, too scary if you don't do the job right. You know, the punishments are pretty harsh. So the Tzemach Tzedek said, and who should become a Lamed? Who should become a Malamed? The guy who's not afraid of the ramifications? <laughs> so you shouldn't become a Malamed because you're afraid of the ramifications of not doing your job well. So then if you don't do, so who's going to be the guy who does it? Oh, I'm okay. I'll do it. I'm not afraid of the, <laughs> okay. I want the guy who feels unworthy, right? So, Anyways, she must have done something similar to that, like basically disqualified herself and said, oh, I'm no good, I, I'm not holy enough, I'm not righteous enough, I'm not pure enough, or whatever it is. And then I was saying, that's like the Itzahara in the silk robe coming to you and being all holy, but really in the end, what is he doing? You can tell he's a Yitzahara because he's just holding you back from, from getting Aveda Bapoil done, actual work. So then you, ha- you have to dismiss it. Uh, yeah, so uh, this self-doubt is certainly not coming from any good will or good inclination. There could be an animal soul that's very religious, in fact, very Hasidic, Sometimes this frumer or chsidish nevshbamis can even come to you and tell you, go learn chsidis. And go meditate into some deep chsidic concept. It sounds so holy. It sounds so good. Really, it was just a trick of the Yitzhahara. It was just one of the uh, schemes of the, of the nevshbamis, to hold you back from getting your job done. The whole thing was a diversion. He was telling you to do something good because he knew if he would tell you to do something bad, you wouldn't listen, you would identify him, you would, you know, the jig is up. I know you, you're the Yetzirah, go take a hike. But instead he comes to you all holy and he says, go do something good, go do something pure. And, oh, okay, fine, let's do it. But what did he do? He got you. He diverted you from your task that you have to get done. So too, the Rebbe is saying, all your self-doubts, even if you couch them in, in religious words, the, the net result is it's just holding you back from working with these kids. And therefore, we can identify without any doubt this is not coming from a good place, and it must be rejected. Okay, let's continue.
בהנגיה להשיילה שיש לו רוצן להשפיע וכולו. This is a related concept. She says she's interested in having an influence, having an effect on others. But according to her own assessment, she's not knowledgeable enough. So basically, she's disqualifying herself. Maybe she disqualified herself in other ways as well. But one of the things she said to the Rebbe is, who am I kidding? You know what we call this today? 2022, imposter syndrome. Who am I kidding? I'm going to teach these girls? What do I know? I, don't, I barely know more than them. Maybe sometimes I don't even know more than them, and, and I have to fake it. And I, I'm wasting their time. Find somebody who really knows what they're doing. That's what it sounds like the girl was saying. Okay, or the woman was saying. So, uh, so the Rebbe responds to that. The Rebbe says, okay, how about this? I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. Let's say, for argument's sake, that you don't know what you're talking about, okay? That you are not knowledgeable enough to be the teacher. Okay, for, for argument's sake, I'll give it to you. In our generation, especially, and the truth is, in all generations, <laughs> Even if you can't give a hundred percent, give what you can. Give what you can. Don't be a perfectionist. What do they say? The enemy of the good is the best. Right? I don't want to even do good because I can't do the best. Stop it already. Give whatever you can. And then the Rebbe adds, And then, daven to Hashem, that he should take the whatever it is that you, you're able to give, whether it's 50% or 20% or 80%, whatever it is, and then Hashem should amplify that. But it's not a reason to stop being an influencer. So the fact that you're going to tell me I don't have 100% of what these girls have, what they need. Okay, what do you have? 50%? 20%? It doesn't matter. Give whatever percent you're capable of giving. And then Davin, that Hashem should amplify that. But don't stop. Don't stop being an influencer. Especially now in Eretz Yisroel, Asher there are waves of heresy waging war. There's, there's war against the tradition that is growing, expanding. And you have no right, nobody has a right to sit this out if they have any ability to do something about this. There are these waves of assimilation in Israel warring against tradition. And if you can do anything, even a tiny amount, to stave that off, you don't have a right to sit it out because of your inferiority complex or your imposter syndrome. Yeah. 
ואם לאייס אטו אין ביכולתי לייס מפקד ראשי, או מפקד חשוב, מפקד ראשי, או מפקד חשוב, that if till now you're not in a position to be a high ranking officer, all of למעלס אס תפקיד הימותו עליו ככל יכולתי, so just do your best, do what you can. כמי במחום הגשמס, like in an actual war, in an actual military. Even if you can't be a, a general or a top-ranking official, and then you'll work through the ranks. You'll get a promotion. You start off as a private, you become a corporal. You become a sergeant. Eventually, you, you, you'll get promoted. You got to start off, though, at the... You got to start at the, 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 the first level. We see this for ourselves. This is a known thing. I don't have to prove this to you. I don't have to back this up. Go, go. This is the way of the world. People start off on a simple level and they work their way up. So just do that. If you'll just go and, and use your talents and your knowledge, whatever, whatever talents and knowledge you have, Whatever you have now, whatever ability, to your best ability now, and use it in a good direction. I'm sure, I guarantee, you're going to see results very soon. Not just saving one person, which, by the way, even saving one person is saving a world. But you're going to save many souls, meaning you're going to save many worlds. So just start with whatever meager abilities you have, and I promise you very soon you're going to see results. You're going to save lives. You, you, you can't leave these girls hanging. These, these girls need you. So please, stop, stop with the self-disqualifying. Okay. And like I wrote in my previous letter, there's a previous letter to this. I don't know if it, this previous letter is the one that's in Chelek Tas of the Igris. There may be more letters to this woman, but certainly there is one to this same woman that's in Chelek Tas of Igris. Um, so like I wrote to her in the previous letter, Hashem does everything in the right time in the right way. So since you are fortunate enough that you are part of the Chabad community, <clears throat> That's the place where you're going to find fulfillment in discharging your, your duty. <laughs> because divine providence brought you to this particular place. Ubizman uh, Plaini at this particular time. Everyone knows Hashem is the ultimate good. Therefore, when Hashem gives a person a duty, Hashem has already granted that person 
Hayechelis Havsharius Lamalia Tafkid, the ability, the potential. I mean, you got to cash it in, but Hashem has already given you the potential to rise to that task. I wish you would just use out your potential 100%. Okay, so this this is also one of the things you see a lot from the Rebbe. That, and we had this in our previous letter about the Resh Gargusa, right? Even the warden of a well, <laughs> the the block party uh, committee chairman, even a small, uh, remember the letter to Rabbi Rosenberg from Titus Amos, the Rebbe said, if you have any type of authority, don't think that that happened randomly. That was Hashkocha El Yena, the Rebbe calls it here, Hashkocha Pratis El Yena, sort of a double thing. Hashkocha Pratis El Yena. Specific from on high. Sometimes we say sometimes we say the Rebbe says it both. Um, that if you have some position of authority, Hashem chose you for that. That 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 was that was directly from on high. So you have to realize Hashem knows what he's doing, and Hashem is good, and he put you into this position already armed with whatever it is that you're gonna need to be able to effectively discharge your your duty. Okay. Uh, another, yeah, another concept here. Now that Rebbe speaks about the girls' fabrengens, and this I think is the third time that, that we've had in 15 letters that Rebbe mentioned women's fabrengens. And Kan Hamokim, this would be a good place to mention the fabrengen that's going to be oil yud alef nissen at the oil. Uh, please reserve, it is RSVP only, the women's gathering, uh, about a block from the oil, it is uh, limited in space, so go to 30letters30days.com if you are interested in attending that event. Again, Euler Yodalef Nissen, that is Monday night, April 11th. Okay. So the Rebbe says, regarding what you wrote about the girls' fabrengens, had a kafi shehera hanisoyin, kan experience has proven here and in many places. Kishimamshichem es habonis atzman bahavida ayadei, shertzio hain atzman vchayetzebeze. If you get the girls themselves involved by getting them to speak, it gets them more involved, it gets them more interested. Uh, we had something similar to that, if you remember the, let, the letter to Rabbi Shusterman, that uh, I think that was uh, the night going into Purim. Yeah, that was the night going into Purim. Uh, we had the letter to Rabbi Shusterman from Chicago, and the Rebbe said it was good that you had that junior minion where you gave them jobs. Uh, one could be a gabai, one could be a shamish, because when they have responsibility, they get more involved. Similarly here, the Rebbe is saying, at the Fabrengens, get the girls to speak, you know, give them a Dvar Torah to prepare and to, to give over, and that will make sure that they're very engaged. Okay, that's, uh, oh, do we have people who are willing to speak, Yudalaf Nissen? Let us know at 30 letters, 30 days, dot, I mean, 30 days, 30, oh, 30 letters, 30 days dot com. Yeah. Bahanegea, Bahanegea, let's August show Eurchismisman Lisman. Now, regarding the shows, the productions, they call it productions, regarding the shows that you make periodically, the Rebbe says, it's really good. I like it. Very, very good. They're doing like 
dramas, some type of, uh, you know, they're putting on performances. The Rebbe says, very, very good. But just be careful about certain things that a lot of times people are um, not careful about. Even though these things are actually um, forbidden, according to Torah, and yet people tend to be, um, uh, I guess, what do you call uh, lax. People tend to be lax about it. Like for girls to wear men's clothing, don't do that. You know, in a production, sometimes you have a girl playing a male character, right? So you have to be careful about that. Also be careful about, you know, the Kalisha issues, about women singing in public. Obviously, if it's done in a way where it's a women's audience and it's done privately, then that's fine that I was saying just, be careful that that's the way it is done. And Yoni Tairuvas, you also have to be careful about mixing of genders and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, the productions, the the plays that they're doing are excellent. Keep it up. Just, you know, make sure to make everything correct according to halacha. Okay, almost done. Remember when this letter was from, right? We said that this letter was, uh, wow, how many pages is this letter? Uh, Yud Ches Tevis. Okay, fine. So Yud Ches Tevis. So now that I was going to speak about Yud Shvat, which is uh, about three weeks henceforth. Yud Shvat being uh, the yard site, the Yem Hilula of the Rebbe's Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe. Bekeshi im Yemo Abo. In connection with Yud Shvat that's coming up. It would be a good thing if the girls, at least the older girls, should write an essay about some aspect of my father-in-law's Aveda or some of his Sichas, um, etc., etc., I find this very interesting also. Um, wow, if I had another hour, I would speak all about the need to get students to think creatively, critically, and to write their own thoughts. See, the Rebbe was very into that. Short answer tests, which are so uh, common in, unfortunately, most schools for various reasons, uh, they are good at forcing people to cram for tests. They're good at rewarding people who are good at retaining memory without necessarily comprehension. But if you want people to think things through and understand it, you got to get them to communicate. So that Ebu was telling this teacher, I want them to write essays. Let them write essays about my father-in-law, the Rebbe, and uh, that should be part of their preparation for the yard site on Yud Shvat. With blessings that you should increase your involvement in the education of our young girls. Masim You should increase... The Rebbe gives her a bracha to increase her involvement in educating, educating the girls in accordance with the desire of our holy rabbis. <laughs> in other words, 
<laughs> not according to your desire. That's not enough. According to the desire of the Rebbe's, which <laughs> that's a tall order, but uh, the Rebbe's giving her a bracha here. You're going to see good reward for your toil. You're going to see a lot of nachas from your own children. The Rebbe said this very often, that when you take care of other people's children, Abish takes care of your children. I'm awaiting good news in all of the aforementioned and I'm giving you a bracha that all of what we spoke about should happen quickly, should happen soon. Wow, so much here to, to unpack, to think about. And thank you for bearing with me. I'm sorry that it took this long, but uh, sometimes that's how long it takes. We'll see you tomorrow night.